Welcome to Let's Talk Ed. I'm Chris Ford, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Zahi Atala. And Zahi, uh, last episode, we brought on one of your uh, friends and colleagues, Lynn Neitzel, uh, who uh, is an expert in creating good teachers and a teaching expert herself, uh, a longtime teacher herself. And we start off with uh, a conversation of what makes a good teacher. And Zahi, we're going to dig a little deeper this time, and we're going to kind of talk about, okay, so you're a subject matter expert. How do you now take that into being a good teacher? Yeah, we are, because, you know, as as an administrator at a two-year college, I can't tell you how many times I've walked down the hallway with uh, with people holding a contract, having them sign it before they get into the classroom, because we hired them based on their subject matter expertise, and we're hoping that they can be good teachers. And uh, Neitzel Sensei here is going to impart some of her wisdoms on on us on you know how to transfer those skills uh lynn what what would you say to that yeah well wow nitzel sensei that's a blast from the past i <laughs> don't hear that much anymore you know for the uh, listening or watching audience i i spent a lot of time in k-12 as a japanese language teacher so um that's where zahi gets his his little uh Thing like that, but but you just saying that reminded me of something um, that I that I tell people. You know, over my career, every year I had about five hundred elementary students that I taught for twenty years. So you know, you can do the math. That's K five. So some of the same students year after year, and I got a lovely, I got the lovely advantage of seeing them every year, which was great. So I got to see them grow, which was wonderful. Um, but one thing that I'm very proud of is those, you know, tens of thousands of students that I was able to um, build a build a relationship with, and I was able to teach, and they were able to learn. Not one of them has become a J Japanese language teacher, and I'm pretty proud of that. Because, in fact, I'm very proud of that. Because my goal, my purpose of teaching Japanese, and the goal of that program that I taught in was not to produce. Japanese or Spanish or German language teachers. It was to open up the world to students in a small blue collar community and have them realize that learning and knowing the second language is a skill set that is going to give them an advantage in whatever they decided to do in the world after high school or after college, whatever, whatever they decided and wherever they decided to go. And I think we were successful at that. So it's you know, thinking about skills, transferring skills from being a subject matter expert at your former employment and bringing that subject matter expertise now into teaching, it's really thinking about what is, what's your purpose, right? Keeping, keeping an eye on, on what it is that you need to do as a teacher and what your students need to do for their learning in that moment and in that semester and in that whole program. Because um, I can remember working with the health sciences instructor in particular, just as an example. Um, and we were looking at a discussion board on, on learning management system. And, and she was very frustrated because her students weren't doing a good job and they were spending a lot of time on it. They were complaining. But I noticed she was having them cite in the APA format their sources on a discussion board. I'm like, why are, why are you spending time doing this? <laughs> 
you're a health science, you're a nursing instructor. Why, why are you saying, well, it's important. You know, we, we have to get them ready, train them up for their bachelor's degrees and their, their master's degrees. And I'm like, no, you don't. You need to teach them second semester nursing courses that lead to the third semester, that lead to the fourth semester in graduation and gets them employment. That's your purpose. And right there, I thought she lost her way. Her compass was not pointed in the right direction. And so I think that that's a really big um, transfer skill when you come out of industry or your profession, decide to become a teacher is, you know, talking to yourself, looking within and looking outside and talking to people. But like, what is my purpose here? What, what is my purpose today? What is my purpose this week? What is my purpose this semester? And what is, where do I fit in the overall picture of the student's academic career? And how can I help support that? So Chris and I have talked ad nauseum about APA and MLA and some instructors whose, whose sole reason for being appeared, at least on the surface, to be about inculcing this, imparting this particular knowledge, forgetting that, you know, like, sorry to say it like that, but Shakespeare never cited anybody, right? Uh, your mm -hmm. favorite book. Uh, so it's it's about teaching them write about the topic, teaching them to expand, taking their their information and putting right. it in there. However, so many of the folks who uh, who are subject matter experts, and, and I want you to, to tell me if I'm uh, right or wrong on this, is uh, they conflate the idea of the minutia of what they have to do with the rigor uh, that they are thinking they're imparting on the student. Right, right. And rigor is, um, you know, that can be defined by other people in many ways, but rigor really means that there's, it's challenging to someone at, at that particular point in time. That's all it means. It doesn't mean more, to, you know, putting more into the learning um, environment or the experience. It doesn't mean making harder materials and students can, can handle, um, you're not lessening the rigor by maybe putting in an accommodation for a student that we know will benefit the entire class um, overall. But it, it's that's it's not about rigor. I know that that word sometimes is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me <laughs> when they say it because to me it just it it kind of tells me that maybe an instructor needs to help again find their purpose. And when I've been helping new instructors or instructors that came into our center for innovation and teaching and learning, you know, kind of figure out, it might be just exhausted. They're like, I don't know, my students aren't learning and they don't like my class or they don't like the program. What am I going to do? I'm, I just ask them one simple question with one word. Said, why? Well, why do I need to know this? Why, why, why do I need to learn this? Why do I need to do this activity? How is this going to support my entry-level employment into this profession that you love because you spent a lot of your life and you obviously went into it because you had a passion and a skill for it. How do you instill that into your students and allow them to find their own, their own passion within whatever it is that they're learning? So just a simple question. Why? Why do they need to know this? Why do they need to read this? Why do they need to cite this? And I, I don't by any means say that Learning how to cite someone's work is bad, not at all. But why are we giving grades to it, right? Anything that we grade or we spend time on, then 
you know, gets our attention. So let's think about where we really need to put our attention while we can do some of that auxiliary, I can't say that word, auxiliary learning on the side. So so, uh, basically I'm hearing you uh, advocating very strongly for backward design. You know, what is the end point, the end goal, the end skill you want them to learn start from the full-blown program and go down to the course and from the course go down to the section and from the section go down to the to the individual meeting day with those students but always thinking back to the goal that you need to attain am i am i hearing you right is this something you would suggest to uh, incoming smes into teaching Absolutely. Yeah. Understanding by design or backward design, um, you know, is something that isn't just for education. You know, if you really think about it and it might be helping, you know, subject matter experts think about how they backward design in their own professions, because they all do. Right. If the health sciences or you, you have a patient, you think you always think about the end goal to get them healthy. And that's different for every single patient. You know, one end goal is to get them out of the hospital, but the another end goal is to have them continue on with a healthy lifestyle, right? Or it might be after an operation. Well, the end goal is to get them up walking in two weeks if they have knee surgery. Okay, so let's work this backwards. How are we gonna get that patient out of that bed and walking down the hall in two weeks? What do we need to do? So, you know, sometimes putting it, being able to help them make the connection to previous learning or their previous job also serves twofold to help faculty or instructional staff understand how to teach in a way that they're connecting prior learning to their own students' new learning experience. So when I was put in a, a situation here this fall uh, at, at the college where <laughs> I work, uh, I, I come from a background of broadcasting. I work in marketing. And mm -hmm. uh, about two weeks before the fall term started, I was asked to teach a class. Uh, yes, <laughs> you're welcome. Out. Yes, <laughs> teach a class, uh, and you know, sort of the the core of the class was about the things that that I know. Anyway, it was about storytelling. It was about uh, you know editing videos and these sorts of things. So, someone like me, what advice would you have given someone like me to? to take my knowledge and now impart that upon my class. Right. So, um, yeah, always thinking about learning first, right? So really answering the question at the end of the day, at the end of the semester, what do you want your students to know and be able to do? This is the class I'm teaching. Maybe this is the course description. Hopefully you have some course learning outcomes that were given to you. You know, textbooks are not the evil, the, the evil end all. You know, a lot of them are really good roadmaps, they're guides, but they don't drive the learning, right? A, a roadmap just gets you to the, the point that you want to go. You have to decide where that point is um, as a driver or, you know, driving the learning. But just answering that simple question, like, what do I want my students to know and be able to do? And taking that moment to reflect on that and think about it before starting to move forward. I always tell new instructors that are teaching a brand new class, write your final exam or your final performance assessment before you do anything else. You don't have to do it in detail, 
but what what is it what is that final project or like I said exam or performance assessment if they have to perform something what is that going to look like and then start to start to flesh out the details of that of what you know how are you going to know that the students learned and are able to do what you wanted them to do at the beginning. Um, if I think if faculty and instructional staff start at that point, they'll notice that the learning will just trickle trickle backwards. You know, like like Dr. Atala said, thinking they'll it, you'll be able to design that learning backwards. But if you don't know where you're going, how can you expect the students to get there? Well, there's a there's a, there's a confusion I think that's very common. They look at the book and they say. Oh, there are 18 chapters that I need to cover in 15 weeks or 16 weeks or eight weeks or whatever. Therefore, we're going to be marching through them sequentially, not putting in mind that, in fact, this is one way. This is a group of authors or one author who came up with the way of getting that end goal reversed engineered into those chapters. So this is where I think the SME comes in blinding uh, an individual who's never done it before, of course, blinding their ability to see that teaching is not necessarily the same. Uh, is that is that what you're kind of getting to or? Yeah, I mean, I, I go, I refer back to Chris, would that have been helpful to you to take a look at like, what, what is the final exam? Like, what, what is that going to look like? You know, and you, every college has instructional designers or a teaching learning center somewhere that can help you do this. You, you don't have to do it in a vacuum. Um, yeah, they may not know about your subject area, but they're really good at asking the questions, the why questions, because they don't know. Right. They, they're sitting on the outside. They can be they can be very good um, students, <laughs> so to speak. But yeah, I, you know, and then and then maybe going to the materials you have. I mean, it may be a really great textbook that is that brand new and um, has some really great um, information, modern information, maybe really engaging for the students to use. Uh, but there's a lot of other materials out there, you know, 2022, 2023, moving into 2023. There's a lot of other places to get materials and and not forgetting, I would say another thing that instructors should not forget is you're hired for your subject matter expertise. If you open a textbook or you look at some teaching materials and you're like, they don't do that that way anymore in my industry. Well, don't teach it then. <laughs> Scrap it and, and teach them the new way of things that are going on or teach both. Say, hey, this is a historical perspective. There might be some you know, small rural industry or hospitals that still do it this way as a niche. But really in the modern world, this is how we work. And you are going to be in the modern world in two, three, four years down the road. And that's changing so rapidly. So that's a big challenge. Um, so yeah, so I do, I do think it's, you know, think about what your purpose is, ask the question why. And then I would say the last thing is, um, and I'm going to quote something from John Hattie, who is Dr. John Hattie, who's a brilliant researcher, who has done, um, he, he has a visible learning institute, and he's done a lot of research on really good learning. He said, and everything you do helps students learn. But his kind of his take on this is really quantifying what helps students learn the best. And spending your time on those 
type of activities and that type of teaching as opposed to the ones that don't have a lot of impact. And you would be surprised um, what some of the things that you thought had a lot of impact on really don't. But the number one most impactful, um, what do I say, thing or item on student learning is teacher efficacy. If you don't believe your students can do it, they won't be able to. You have to believe that your students can do it. And that's on multiple levels. Well, I think that's great advice. And we're going to dig even a little deeper uh, on this topic in our next episode, where we're going to talk about how do you inspire people to learn? Uh, so with that, I want to thank you for joining us on Let's Talk Ed for this episode. Thank you. And Zahi, do you have any uh, parting shots before we wrap up? Uh, I, I like what uh, Lynn referenced from uh, from Dr. Hattie, and uh, and she did not APA or MLA yet, but but yes, it's it's critical. You have to believe in your students. I think this would be the number one. The second hint that, that I heard her talk about is uh, the the instructor needs to find her 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 or his compass. And uh, thirdly, I think uh, I heard her say that, um, ask the question of why, why do they need to do that? You know, three great uh, hints, I, I think. All right, well, if you like content like this, be sure and uh, subscribe to us here on Let's Talk Ed, ring that bell for notifications when we post new content. And uh, you can find us not just here on YouTube, but you can also find us on your favorite uh, other podcasting platforms as well. Zahi has been hard at work in the background uh, getting us out there on other podcasting platforms. So uh, for Lynn Neitzel and Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time on Let's Talk Ed.